Hey everybody, welcome to the Shadows of the Moon podcast with a little bit of chaos. If you're looking for some talk on the paranormal, cryptozoology, UFO community with some self-empowerment and tarot thrown in there, then you come to the right place. I'm your host, Shadows of the Moon, and sitting across from me, as always, is my co-host with the most, Mr. Chaos. So sit back, relax, and let's join in the conversation. Oh, you're watching me, yeah, all eyes on me, cause I've been living and living the good life, so come fly with me, in my fantasy, and we be loving and loving the good life, good life. I think this green now just hit me, why don't you just go there with me, surfing the skies and splashing the clouds, dancing the crowds and laugh out loud. Hey everybody, what's going on? How is everybody today? No, Eddie is not here. He might pop in later, but who knows. Why is it going off twice? What's going on here? Damn it. Nicole is celebrating a seven-month substreak. How awesome. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. What's going on? So we got Ghost Rider in here. We have Nicole. We have Heather. We have um, Andy. Freaky Geek. Christina. What's going on, guys? Did I miss anybody? Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. Please forgive me if I missed anybody. How are you? How was your guys this weekend? Got to turn the light on. Hopefully good. What the hell's going on with my hair here? Who the hell knows? Anyway, yes, Eddie is working. Oh no. And he's like, you gotta speak up and see. Nicole's had road work outside her window all day and is getting beef in it her old age now. That's rude. That's rude. <laughs> You're the best around. You are. You guys. All you guys are. Why is all my chats not scrolling? What the hell's going on? That's right, Nicole. You give them shit. You give them shit. That sucks, Nicole. Yeah, Nicole said, yep, it's 9 this morning, it's 8 in the evening, and they're still working. We had that last year. They were doing the whole road. Well, they were doing the whole septic system out in front of the hotel. And it's like, between hearing it, I'm waiting for it. I saw the, I saw, there it is. Between hearing it and then going outside to smoke and smelling freaking diesel fumes, it stuck. It sucked. <laughs> I would, but my my sounds aren't working. I don't know why. They're rude. 
That's right. Missy is the one of the ladies who slaps me with a post fist. Damn it, Andy. So, do you guys, well, yeah, you're right, Freaky. You know, it, today is part of the weekend. Does that mean I, I shouldn't be going live? <laughs> it's part of the weekend, right? I don't go live on weekends. Just saying. Just saying. Make sure I am doing this right. Okay. Sorry, guys. Just getting, you know, technical shit out of the way. Maybe. There we go. Go live for six hours? Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> that would be nuts. That would be nuts. Not with, you know, everything going on at the hotel. We've been busy, busy, busy. Actually took yesterday off. I wasn't feeling too good. And I know that I got some long days coming in. Well, eight hours. But every day. Because the boss is going on vacation. So... Which is kind of nice because I'll be working four to midnight and it'll give me a chance to, after my show, sleep a little bit longer. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, but, and then hopefully I'll be heading to New York. I might, I won't be streaming, obviously, the week of the 5th or the 3rd, my bad. Because Ryan and Savannah, Mr. Minster and, and Savannah are getting married. So, hopefully, if all I, I can get all my ducks in a row and everything, I'll be going to New York. Always, Freaky. Always. No. When have you known Eddie to be my boss? And he's like, Eddie's going on vacation? You said the boss. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm not going to, you know, obviously, you know, they're going to be on their honeymoon and that. So, but I'm, I am staying at their house and I figured it's a couple more days um, that I can spend with Danielle. So I'll just chill at their house for a couple days afterwards and, and hang out with Danielle. move. So, that's what's going on. That's right, Andy, what Nicole said. The guy's never the boss. <laughs> and don't worry, at the end of the show, at the end of the show, I did buy some limos. So, we have limos to give out. <laughs> Speaking of lemons, thank you, Heather, for the lemons. Appreciate that. So I'll be able to give lemons back to you guys. She's got the gold crown over there with those lemons. <laughs> so, yeah, so today's show, we are talking. 
everything out of body experience, right? We're talking near death experiences, out of body experiences, and astral travel. Thank you, Freaky Geek, for the Lamont. Nicole, thank you for the Lamont or the ice cream. Didn't I see you, Lamont? Maybe not. Thank you, guys. And he said, are we taking bets on Missy forgetting to add the lemons this week? Probably. Don't take that bet, guys, because you know. You know how it goes. Um, I'm not sure, Freaky Geek. <laughs> I'm not sure how many, which I thank you. And he says, never had an out-of-body experience, but been out of my mind on more than one occasion. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so, you know, most of you guys were here Friday and we got talking about um, a scientific report about near-death experiences, man, we got talking and, and we said, why not do a show on it, right? So we got, I pulled up a bunch of stuff to talk about near-death experiences and OBEs and astral projection. Now, it might be boring for some of you because you guys have heard my stories before, Um but we'll go ahead and talk about them. Hey, easily distracted. How you doing, hon? Welcome, welcome. Freaky's over there farting hearts out, her, out his butt. <laughs> and be live. <laughs> Gotta love that emoji. I tell you. That's so funny. But uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. We're going to talk about that stuff. And uh, see what happens guys have any have had any experiences let me know and at the you know after we go over the reports and everything we'll bring you up on the show if you would like that is well no apparently I I, I add you to the instead of Lemon's Heather <laughs> uh, Oh yeah, I did. I did do that, didn't I? Because I was reading one of your comments, and I'm like, I added. Did I say it again? Did I do it again? Holy hell! <laughs> yeah, I was reading your comment, and I was like, Oh my god, I did do it again. What the hell is wrong with me? See, you you speak, you type in text or type in chat, and right at the app room. Up Right at the right time. <laughs> a heather with a feather? <laughs> I know you guys would point it out, definitely. That's what that's why you guys are here. <laughs> hey, Ghost Rider. Well, we're happy you're here as well. <laughs> I tell you, what the hell is wrong with me? Quite a bit. 
Yeah, I have quite a bit of stuff wrong with me. We all know this. You guys have hung around me for almost three years. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. You guys know. You know what it is. What it's about. So, yeah. Talking about, you know, having near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and astral travel. Now, some say they're all the same thing, but to me, they were very different. I mean, astral traveling and my near-death experience were right up there on the same level. Out-of-body experience, that was different, and which is weird because I experienced, um, well, first came the out-of-body experience, then the astral travel, then the near-death experience. But the out-of-body thing, the feelings that I get with the out-of-body experience, I've had for a very long time, ever since I was little. So, I don't know. A week without misseisms is a week, a week without, it's like a week without coffee. That's right. That's right. Speaking of coffee, I got a new coffee mug. My friend Raina. It was funny because I yelled at her because we had, we had matching cups. Right. She had bought me one a, a long time. I showed you guys on the screen, you know, with the moon and everything. So then I find out we, we headed out. Actually, it was the day of Eddie's show. We headed out to go see what was going around uh, around town and stuff. And we <laughs> we stopped where we got the cups for at the gas station, and she buys another one. I'm like, who's that for? She goes, me. And I'm like, you bought us matching cups. What the hell? And she goes, I keep giving them away. I'm like, well, that's rude. I said, that was supposed to be our thing. You know, joking around with her, of course. I said, that's just rude. <laughs> giving away our coffee cups. It's not right. Then she turned around and freaking bought us matching coffee jugs. What we got. But it's really cool. It's got different um, tops to it and stuff, but... It was crazy. We're crazy gals when we're out there. So it's nice. It's a nice thermos. It's got a thermos top. It's got the flip-up top. But the thing with the flip-up top, not the straw part that I got in there now, but the thing with the flip-up top is the cover of it sits on top of this thing, right? Because it's got a little thing to carry it with. And, uh, my nose is too big. I have to go like this to drink it. So I was like, nope, we'll, we'll keep it on this one. Hey, Gassy. Welcome, welcome, hon. How you doing? No, Eddie, Eddie don't drink beer out of anything. That would flatten his beer, just like how I would be with Pepsi. I couldn't put Pepsi in that because it would flatten the Pepsi. <laughs> Does that sound weird? You know, it's how you look at different things, right? And of course, I still got my Pepsi. So we're good. You don't use those things to drink. You never, like, had, I, I miss. Hey, Melanie, how you doing, hon? Welcome. I miss the good old days with the old-fashioned, um, I just said it, two-second thermos. The old metal thermoses that used to keep coffee so hot 
that's how my dick. And he's like, no, just need to drink it while the bubbles are still there, right? My dad used to drink coffee like scalding hot. Scalding hot. And his peanut butter sandwiches for breakfast. But, uh, hey, Murad, how you doing? Welcome, welcome. But, yeah, so she got us that, and then we came back and just sat outside and shot the shit for a while. Ghostwriter said, I was dead for minutes. I just experienced nothing like Nirvana. Well, see, my whole take on it, and this is just my theory, obviously, right, is that we all create our own worlds and our own universes, our own whatever, right, that we live in. Um, and again, like I said, this is just my theory. And that's why we see things differently, right? So when we pass on, thank you for sharing me out, Cassie. Um, appreciate that, hon. When we pass on, I believe we go to wherever, what our belief system is. Right, Nicole. We all have our own perception of things. Exactly. Um, I believe uh, when we go, we just, until we go through, I don't know. I can't say beyond that. I just know from my experiences what I felt. And, you know, other people have felt. That's right. That's when you go to the always watch and become a lurker <laughs> in the afterlife. But, um, yeah, that's just, that's how I perceive things. That's how I've, uh, there you go, Andy. says, yay, I go into a planet LSD with a moon of DMT orbiting it. There you go. See? I think you do, you kind of, like, stop off and do what you have to do to go into the next timeline. Yeah, might be, yeah, right? Or the MIB might stop you. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> but that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So this article that we were talking about Friday, and we just decided to let it go and do a discussion on it today, comes from um, Discover. And it says, can science explain near-death experiences? So it says, an estimated 9 million people in the U.S. alone have had a transformative near-death experience. Scientists are grappling with what's happening inside their heads. Now, a lot of people think it's just the chemicals, and it could be. All I know is what I felt was freaking real and was freaking awesome. That's all I can say, right? So at the end of Plato's Republic, the philosopher Socrates shares the myth of Er, or Ur, a warrior who was killed in battle. Twelve days later, the man comes back to life to tell of the other world he had seen. His soul, he says, left his body to arrive in a mysterious place. 
where others were judged for the deeds and luminous beings descended from above. While Ur's experience sounds like stuff of legends, strikingly similar, similar accounts have been reported by real people, stretching across cultures and entire eras in human history. From ancient Greece to the present day, people who survived brushes with death often recount a sense of shedding the physical body and entering a ra another realm or dimension. Some describe intense feeling of peace, passing through a dark tunnel towards a bright light, and re-experiencing life events in rich panoramic detail. Scientists and doctors categorize these events as near-death experiences or NDEs. While there is no widely accepted definition, we can talk, definition of NEVs, the term typically refers to the mystical, profound experience that people report when they're close to death. They're the most, they're most common in patients who, who survived head trauma or cardiac arrest. In other words, conditions in which you die and stay dead unless somebody institutes emergency medical procedures to help you says Bruce Grayson, a psychiatrist at the University of Virginia who studied NDEs for nearly 50 years. He said, such events happen more often than you might think. In the U.S., an estimated 9 million people have reported NDEs, according to a 2011 study. Um, these individuals, or NDEers, are often deeply changed afterwards. And I wouldn't say that I was deeply changed um i'm trying to think because it was a while ago this is back well 14 years ago is when i had my near-death experience and like it of course i wasn't I, I didn't have the same theories that i had today of course we're ever evolving right we're changing our theories about life and what happens afterwards um so I didn't have my beliefs, but I would say that that, although it didn't, prefer, you know, really change my life per se, but my thoughts on things were different. But I wouldn't say it like I turned myself around. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't that so profound. <laughs> you got to watch out for those human Brian's. You got to. <laughs> I'm growing. What does that mean? <laughs> I've grown a lot <laughs> over this pandemic. I'll tell you that much. But anyway, um, but it definitely, yeah, it, it definitely um, changed my perspective on what happens to us um i don't think it like made me yeah i know i know yeah my views change and so does everybody else i think with more experience you have with different things the more times you're going to change and there's nothing wrong with that um so it says some find that they have greater gusto for life, more compassion for others, and diminish, diminished 
the fear of death. Now that it did, I will say that I'm not scared of dying. I'm still kind of apprehensive of, of you know, being nervous about how I'm going to die. Um, but I really, it did diminish that fear, I think, um, for the most part. Others struggle to readjust to everyday routine, baffling loved ones with new beliefs or divorcing their spouses. Even blissful or euphoric NDEs can leave survivors feeling angry or dismayed to be alive again. And that's what scares me about when I talk about it, because it is such a, um, an immense feeling, just, you know, euphoric. It is. And because I think it made me realize of how much stress I was carrying on me, mundane stress that I didn't need to be worrying about. If that, I think it started the whole um, ball rolling of where it's led me today, but I don't think I just switched overnight. And he says, when I died in the pool as a kid, the last thing I recall is trying to get help. The next thing I know, I woke up and looked at a circular room, nothing in between. Um, yeah, exactly, Andy. Ain't the dead, ain't being dead what bothers me is how I make the transition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, you know, I still kind of work, but I also, I don't know what it is, but for the last, I'd say, couple months, I've been thinking about this lately and how, I don't know. I just keep thinking of, of how people wake up in the hospital going, what, what happened? You know what I mean? And I think I want to, I don't know, just want to believe that that's how it works. Like, you know what I mean? But I know people have suffered during their deaths, but others have not. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know, Ghost Rider, but we don't talk about stuff like that here. Um, but yeah, it's the transition, I guess. So in the past 40 years, more and more scientists have probed the phenomenon anyway. Yet, despite almost half a century of investigation, researchers still don't agree on what's happening during NDEs or whether they can be explained at all. Some attribute them to hallucinatory flights of imagination, the last gasps of the dying brain, basically. But others exploring the NEDs may unlock about or understanding of the human consciousness and possibility, really, and the possibility that it contain, continues even after our body and brains go away, basically, um, or power down. rethinking death. So I, again, I just feel like whatever we believe, because there's been some people that's had some horrific memories of having near death experiences. Like there's guys, you know, this one guy that says he went to hell. And to me, I just, that's not what I experienced. And that's not what a lot of people experience. I think it, like I said, it has to do with what you believe in life at this point in time. Now, what happened with me 
Yeah, Melanie. Yeah, I can definitely go into that. Um, so what happened to me is I'm a suicide survivor. I tried killing myself at that point in time. I was very low in my life. Um, the kids had just gone to, basically the kids had just gone to live with their father. Um, and I didn't know how to live at a person, as a person, as one person. I didn't know what to, kind of had that empty nester syndrome, I guess, right? I just didn't know how to live without my kids in the household um, that I was used to for many, many years, obviously, right? So, um, so yeah, I basically wrote out my kids' notes um, and took a bunch of pills. Could it have been the pills that fucked me up? Could have. But that's not how I take it, I guess. That's not how I take it. That's be just because I had such a profound experience. Um, so anyway, like I said, took some pills, um, went to sleep, and could feel, and this is the difference, okay? When, now, like I said, I've had an out-of-body experience, astroprojected, and then my near-death experience. Now, when I had my out-of-body experience, and this is going to be hard to um, hard to portray, I guess, is I, when I was laying on the bed and had my out-of-body experience, I felt like I came just up out of my body, okay? When I was dying, I felt my, I felt my, I almost, my soul, my consciousness, whatever. I felt me leaving through the top of my head. Even though I was laying down, I was going, it was weird because I was going up but I was leaving out, outside of my head, not just up straight up like in the OBE. I was leaving out the top of my head. Now, um, I was in a, um, I, I don't want to say it was a tunnel because I didn't, but I did feel, I didn't see like the light that most people see. I did sense something there, like, um, you know what I mean? But I couldn't see anything. I, it was dark, but I know the feeling I felt was I didn't have all the mundane stresses. I didn't have to worry about feeding the cat. I didn't have to worry about, you know, doing this or making sure the doors are shut. Stupid little things that we worry about all the time, right? Like everything was gone. All I felt was love and the connectivity towards everything everything um being connected to each and every one of everybody else and nobody was more important than the other if that makes sense like it was kind of like it was bliss it was a beautiful feeling euphoric feeling um it was really you know I can't explain it. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Like I said, I couldn't see anything. I was just like, in, I wouldn't say, I I can't say that I was in a dark room because there was like 
I just couldn't see, you know. And then all of a sudden, I heard my sister's voice, who had passed on before I had my near-death experience. And I say this like this because she had a New York but Florida accent. So she'd be like, best get home and take care of them babies. I just remember the babies being strong. You're the best. Um, but yeah, hearing her voice saying, you know, better get home and take care of them babies. And then the next thing I knew, I woke up. So that was my experience with near death experience. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was the drugs either, either. You know, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I mixed a lot of shit together because I just wanted to end my life. That's all I cared about at that point in time. So I was taking stupid shit. <laughs> and it's not like I had a lot of drugs in the house. Not drugs, drugs. I mean, first, like Advil and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sleeping pills. But that's about it. Well, yeah, it did save my, save my life and it, you know, but just the feeling of being connected to everything. Everything. Oh, that's okay. Thank you, Melanie. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I did go through that low period of the time, but I'm good now. I'm great. And, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. That's the way I look at things. Um, Nicole said I had my near-death experience when I was three. Someone tried to drown me, didn't see a big tunnel or light, only some light and male voices shouting back, get back. Yeah, and that's how Eddie's was, too. Of course, Eddie's not here to share his experience, but he didn't experience anything like that either. I'm not talking about those kind of drugs, Ghost Rider. I was just taking anything in the house, which is like Advil, sleeping pills. Um, what else? I think Summer Ryan's ADHD medicine could have been there. I don't know. It was 14 years ago. But not drugs as in like, you know, getting high and stoned and all that. No, not that type of drugs. No, I wasn't disappointed when I woke up. Um, that's actually a good question. I wasn't disappointed. Um, I understand. It was like one of those things where I understood more. <laughs> you know what I mean? I understood more. Um, it was almost like I knew how everything, you know, in my astral travel, I went through the same thing where I knew everything, how everything happened and why we were there and, you know, why we were here and stuff like that. Um, but it all like went away. I almost knocked over my coffee. It all went away when I came back, if that makes sense. But I wouldn't say I was disappointed. But I, it makes me feel better knowing it. Like I said, it got rid of that fear of death. Um, because I've always had this, I, I wouldn't say like a traumatic, like hold me back fear of death. 
where I didn't try things out. I mean, I still won't go on roller coasters or amusement park rides. I don't like them. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I'm glad I came back. Definitely. I, I know I had more to accomplish, if that, if that makes sense, um, here on, on Earth. Yeah, some are disappointed. And that's exactly what the, the article was saying, is that some are disappointed because... You know, it's it's a blissful feeling. I mean, everything, like, you're, you know what I mean? The best way, if you've ever heard, and I've, I've said this before, if you've ever heard Kevin Smith talk about his mother's near-death experience, and um, that was the closest story that I've ever heard came across and I've heard a lot of near-death experience stories because you do you want to listen and think okay am I you know the only not the only one I know there's more out there but there, am I today am I the only one that experiences am I the only one that heard um you know my sister's voice I mean obviously I would be the only one to hear my sister's voice but but um you know did other people hear loved ones you know and that kind of leads me on the path of, of the paranormal. I mean, I was already in that path anyway, but it, because like, you know, when my dad was dying, um, he would call out to his first wife who had passed on and stuff. And that actually is what started me on the path to paranormal. But um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, Welcome back, Freaky. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad I came back as well. <laughs> yeah, Ghost Rider. Yeah, you love life, but don't fear death. Yeah. I, I definitely don't fear death anymore. Again, the transition kind of scares me, but not really. Not as fearful as I was if that makes sense. Um, so they're basically asking, okay, so these cases that happen, right? There's this near-death experiences are reported about 17% of those who nearly died. Um, there's no uniform accepted definition of near-death experience, obviously, because they can't, it's not like, unless you're going to do like, um, that movie flatliners you really can't you don't know you know what i mean this is true oh nicole everyone needs a little missy in her in their life the hell was that somebody outside freaky geeks indeed if shadow did not come back we would have all never met that's true Hey, G-Smoke, how you doing, hon? But, yeah, so, I mean, unless they're doing a study like Flatliners, you really can't, and I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> I don't know who would, but definitions of NDEs with some variability have been used throughout the 35-plus years that NAD has been the subject of scholarly investigation. Um, individuals were kind of considered to be near death if they were so physically compromised that their condition could not improve that they would expect to 
irreversibly die. Near-death experiences include um, people who are generally unconscious and may have required um, CPR, basically. The experience component of the NDE, which occurred when they were near death. Now, let me tell, let me say this. And this is the reason why, hey, Patricia, how are you? This is why I say that near-death experience and out-of-body experiences are totally different, in my opinion, is because when I had my out-of-body experience, I slammed back into my body and it hurt like hell. I mean, it freaking hurt. It was like I hit a Mack truck. You know what I mean? It, it hurt. Not for a long time, but it just, in that moment, I knew what the hell happened. You know what I mean? And where, when I woke up from my near-death experience, it didn't hurt. Um, hey, Pam, how are you? Well, thank you. Thank you for the thumbs up. Appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, it, it, when I had my near-death, or my out-of-body experience, um, and what happened there is basically, now, mind you, I've had, um, doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, when I had my out-of-body experience, now, mind you, I've had, all I can explain is how I feel. I get these feelings of, like, you know how when you're in an elevator and you're going down, right? How you feel in your body? I've had them for a very long time since I was little. Now I've gotten, you know, my mom had my ears checked, um, my brain checked, you know, just um, everything that, because they thought it was something with my ears. Because my mom has um, not so good ears or she had not so good ears. So when it comes to ears, she'd freak out, you know. So I was like, they thought I was getting dizzy spells. And, you know, I wasn't like... Um, I wasn't like having a seizure or anything. It's just that feeling of being, and it stops me for a minute. You know what I mean? And as I got older, I realized that I can control it. Like if I sit and think about it, if I'm sitting on the couch and I'm relaxed, I can put myself into that feeling. And I never thought about it, you know, never really thought about it. And now that I'm older, I feel it's like, I don't, and I can't confirm this because I've never really tested it, but it almost feels like it was a calling from the other side to, that I needed to go, I don't know, speak to somebody or something. I don't know. I just feel that's all I can tell you is how I feel, right? So when I had my out-of-body experience, um, I had, I had like I said, this feeling for a while, and I can put myself into it, or it'll come on its own. Um, so I was laying in bed and actually Mr. Minkster was in the bed with me because I was trying to get him to take a nap and, uh, he was young, obviously. And, um, I remember feeling that feeling of going down in the elevator. So I just, instead of stopping it, I let it go. I just kept letting it go. Right. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to fall asleep. So I open up my eyes and all of a sudden I'm up at the ceiling looking down at me and Ryan laying in the bed. And I remember going, 
what the bam slap because <laughs> it was like my realization of holy shit something ain't right and at that precise moment of me realizing what's happening i slammed back into my body and i sat up and i was like what the hell and when i man let me tell you that shit hurt so bad that i've never tried to do it again because I just didn't want to feel that ever again. That freaking hurt. Um, and that's why I sit there and feel like um, they're different. It could, Heather. It could. She said, so maybe it hurt because you freaked out. It very well could be. I, all I know is it felt like I ran into a fucking Mack truck. And again, like I said, I've never... I still get the feelings and I can still, because every once in a while I'll like test it out to see if I still can do it. And there was a point in my life where I couldn't do it for a while, but now I'm back up to where I can do it. Um, it's like not as strong, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's just my take on it. And it was different. Like I said, I went out of my body this way instead of through my head. I know that sounds weird, but that's exactly what, you know. So to read more of this, in 1998, a website called the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation was established to conduct NED research and to be a public service. It is um, their policy that all NAD accounts shared with NDERF are posted on the website. Um, portions of the website include the NAD questionnaire that have been posted over in 20 different languages. Excuse me. So resulting is line of evidence one results suggesting that the reality of near-death experiences. Line evidence one, lucid organized experiences with unconscious, comatose, or clinically dead and near-death experiences occur at a time when a person is so physically compromised that they are typically unconscious, comatose, or clinically dead. Considering near-death experiences from both a medical perspective and logically, it should not be possible for unconscious people to often report highly lucid experiences that are clear and logically structured. Most NEDers report subnormal consciousness at the time of their NDEs. The um, survey asked, how did your highest level, level of conscious and alertness during the experience come to you? Normal, everyday consciousness and alertness? 74.4% indicated they had more consciousness and alertness than normal. And I definitely fall into that range. It, I, it was very lucid and it was very, like, I was, I knew I was consciously aware more than I had been alive. If that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, Pam says, I was in a medical coma five days. Nothing happened. Oh, thank God. And um, 
that's the thing too is like i've i have a friend that was in a coma i can't remember if he was in a coma for three months or six months i almost want to say six months but i'm not sure but in his coma like he has memories of his when he was in his coma he lived an entirely different life entirely with some not subliminal subtle things different I mean, there was bigger things that were different in his life, um, but there was little things that were. So he now has memories of both, which is weird, right? Talk about your Mandela effect. Um, so 20.4% uh, experienced normal consciousness and alertness and only... 5.2% had less consciousness and alertness than normal. Um, they also asked if your highest level of consciousness and alertness during the experience was different from normal everyday consciousness and alertness. Please explain. In response to this question, NDAers commonly report that consciousness during their experience was clear and more aware and often associated with heightened awareness. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, Near-death experiences often are occur in association with cardiac arrest. Prior studies found that 10 to 20 seconds following cardiac arrest, um, electro, this word, <laughs> measurements generally find no significant measurable brain corridor electrical activity. Let me go ahead. I'm not even going to try to say that because Andy hasn't sounded it out for me. <laughs> oh, wow, Pam. We do shows on Mandela effects usually on Wednesday and, and definitely love to hear that. Okay. You're in heart failure with kidney and liver failure. Wow. I hope you're doing well now. Line of evidence two: seeing ongoing events from a location apart from physical body while unconscious, out-of-body experience. A common characteristic of near-death experiencers is that an out-of-body experience. An out-of-body experience is apparent separation of consciousness from body. About 45% of near-death experience report OBEs, which involve them seeing and often hearing ongoing earthly events from a perspective that is apart and usually above their physical bodies. Following cardiac arrest, NDAers may see and later accurately describe their own resuscitation, which I've heard that before. Hey, Lady Blind Wolf, how you doing, hon? Welcome, welcome. Um... Let's see. Another perspective study of an out-of-body observations during near-death experiences with similar methodology to Sanborn's study was public by published by Dr. Penny Satori. And this study found that near-death experiences were often remarkably, remarkably accurate in describing details of their own resuscitation. Now, I couldn't imagine seeing my... Now, that might have, like, triggered something differently. 
you know what I mean? When, when, um, if you see in your own resuscitation, I imagine that traumatizes you immensely. Or like if you're, you know, cause when you're in that state of being, um, I don't remember ever feeling like, do I stay or do I go? Do you know what I mean? But if you're in that state of where you want to go and somebody's resuscitating you, I wonder if you get like angry. See, I only felt like love for everything, everything. And it was like, like I said, nothing was higher, more important than the other thing. Everything was an equally amount of love. Um, like today, you know, my kids would be obviously the most important things in my, and I love them more than anything in this world, right? There, when I was going through my near-death experience, like, they were a part of the whole equation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there was nothing, I didn't care for them more than anybody else or anything like that. Everything was equal. I, hopefully, I'm explaining this. And you guys get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, line three of evidence, near-death experiences with visions in the blind and subnormal vision. They have There have been a few case reports of near-death experience in the blind. The largest study of this was Dr. Kenneth Ring. The investigation included 31 blind or substantially visually impaired individuals who had MEDs and or out-of-body experiences. Of the 31 individuals in the study, 10 were not life or facing life-threatening events at the time of their experience, and thus their experiences were not MEDs. There were 14 individuals who were blind from birth in the study, and nine of them described visions during their own experiences. The investigation presented case reports of those born totally blind that described NEDs were highly visible with content consisting with typical NEDs. That's interesting. Hey, Freeman TV. Or Freeman.com. I'm sorry. What up? I just saw it. Right, Heather, probably would be the person's state of mind, whether they're angry or happy or at peace. Yeah, exactly. I don't, um, yeah, I was right, FreemanTV.com. But yeah, Freeman TV, you can definitely put it in chat um, or whatnot. Today we're talking about, it. Uh, well, it's still a paranormal channel and we're here to help, so Tell us what your problem is, and maybe one of us can help you. I don't know how many are lurking that are um, paranormal investigators, but we will definitely try to help. That's what we're here for. Um, or I can put you in touch with some paranormal investigators. So, yeah, so that's interesting, though. Welcome back, Nicole. Um, that's interesting that even um, 
people that were blind from birth, if it, when they had a near-death experience, they see the same things that, well, I mean, I imagine they see those same things in their mind anyway, right? Um, so here, did your vision differ in any way from your normal everyday vision in aspects did, such as clarity, field of vision, color, brightness? And again, I can't answer this because of the, you know, like I said, when I had my near-death experience, all I saw was dark. I couldn't tell if I was in a room. I couldn't tell if, you know, I was in a tunnel, nothing. Yeah, after I started thinking about that, Pam, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Um, but some people say colors were beyond... Colors were beyond any I'd ever seen. Everything seemed to be so much colorful and brighter than normal. Um, said my vision was greatly increased. I was able to see things as close or as far away as I needed. There was no strain involved. It was almost like auto-zooming a camera. So that reminds me of like astral travel. That's how basically when you astral travel, you think of the place and boom, you're there. You don't have to like, I don't know, think about how to get there, right? See, that's funny you say that, Pam, because I... I dreamed when I was younger, I dreamt in black and white until I dreamt in color. And when I, after I dreamt in color once, that was it. I never went back to black and white. That I remember anyway. And that's a bad thing, Prima TV? <laughs> no, it sounds like you might have a succubus on your hands. Three times a week? Hey. Um... So, yeah, I mean, it's, but I've heard that from people. Uh, I've heard about people, like, with their, when they had a near-death experience, like, their, the colors were very bright and lucid and vibrant. You know what I mean? It was very, and I guess, I'm trying to sit here and think because of the fact that feeling the, the feeling I had was being more aware, but it was like having that vibrant color. Uh, it's hard to explain. Um, It's called a succubus, FreemanTV.com. What it is, is basically it's a female spirit 
Um, and that's what it does. Yeah, it, it appears in dreams to seduce men or women, um, and usually through uh, sexual stuff, right? Here, I can I can spell it out for you so you... You can search up on it. Really, Cassie, if you're cold in, in your while you're sleeping, you'll have bad dreams? Yes, like what Heather said, it's a, a type of spirit or attachment. Guys, give me one second. If you would, I'm going to put it on my start screen, but I'll be right back. Okay, I'm coming, guys. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Sorry, guys. I had way too much coffee today. <laughs> kind of like a vampire, only in spirit form. Well, I mean... Thank you, Heather. So another line of evidence, near-death experiencers that occurred up, um, on, while under general anesthesia. Now, I've never heard of this. You're the best. Oh, in that case, yes, get help there. Is like nobody coming to you nine months from now with a childhood? That would be freaky. That would be freaky. Um, it says, during my surgery, I felt a lift from my body and go above, go above the operating table. The doctor told me later that they had kept my heart open and stopped for a long time, and they had a great amount of difficulty getting my heart started again. That must have been when I left my body because I could see the doctor, doctors nervously trying to get my heart going. It was strange to be so detached from my physical body. I was curious about what they were doing, but not concerned. And that's the thing. Yeah, it, when you have, 
you know, nervous or attendees or out of body experience or astral travel, you're not scared at that moment. You're not, it's like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it's weird. Um, then as I drifted further away, I saw my father at the head of a table. He looked up at me, which did not give me surprise because he had been dead now for almost a year. Thank you, Ghost Rider. I used to be like that lady. When you get so tired, you just don't dream. Yeah. True, Nicole. Yeah, same here. I'm more afraid of life than death. <laughs> now, see, when when I had um, Ryan, they gave me too much um, anesthesia. No, it wasn't with Ryan. It was with Danielle. It was Danielle to where I passed out. But I didn't. It wasn't like I was dying or anything. I just passed out. I could feel the numbness come up to my throat. And then I just went night-night. <laughs> and apparently I was okay because I never met and never made Lee leave the room or anything. My ex-husband, so. <laughs> um, so this person reviewed 613 near-death experiences and shared with an NDERF and found 23 near-death experiences that appeared to have occurred while under general anesthesia. And you think about it, anesthesiologists, they are not there to put you out. They're there to keep you alive. That's their job is to, yes, they're putting you out, but they're also there keeping you alive. Um, So, I mean, cardiac arrest was the most common life-threatening event that was described in association with the occurrences of these attendees. Um, other near-death experience investigators have reported NDEs occurring while under general anesthesia as well. Dr. Bruce Grayson, a leading NDE researcher at the University of Virginia, says, in our collection of NDEs, 127 out of 578 NDE cases, 22%, occurred under general anesthesia. And they include such features as OBAs, OBEs that involved experiencers watched medical personnel working on their bodies in unusual bright or vivid light, meeting deceased persons and thought memories and sensations that were clearer than usual. Line of evidence number five, near-death experiences and life reviews. Some near-death experiencers include a review of their life or all of their prior lives. This NDE element is called life review. NDEers typically describe their life review from a third-person perspective. The life re review may include awareness of what others were feeling and thinking at the time early in their life, when they interacted with them. This previously unknown awareness of what other people are feeling or thinking when you interacted with them is often surprising and unexpected to the NDE years. For example, here's a life review. 
They said I went into a dark place with nothing around me, but I wasn't scared. I was, it was really peaceful there. I then began to see my whole life unfolding before me like a film projector on a screen from babyhood to adult life. It was so real. I was looking for myself, looking at myself, but better than a 3D movie. It was like I was also, also capable of sensing the feeling of the persons I had interacted with through the years. I could feel the good and bad emotions I made them go through. See, I've never, I never experienced that. In my review, they said 619 near-death experiences. Um, 88 have had life reviews. None of the life reviews in the NDEs appear to have any unrealistic content or determined by based on comments by the NDEers about their own life review. Life reviewers may include long forgotten details of their earlier life than the NDEers. That's wild. Can you imagine? Well, I can't imagine going, having a life review and reviewing all your lives and realizing, you know, wow, okay, I remember this. Like back when you were, like, say, in G Egyptian times, right, where you might have been a pharaoh, and you're like, oh, I remember this. Why do I remember that? You know what I mean? Do you, do you come back going, why do I remember that? Or I don't know. It's just I would love to talk to somebody that like that, if that makes sense. I would actually really love to talk to somebody that had that awareness. It's crazy. And I'm sure these people have had more a profound NDE than I have to where, obviously, because I just saw, you know, a dark room, not a room, but darkness, and my sister yelling at me. <laughs> right, Freaky Geek. Yes, he said, so a life review is the same as somebody saying they saw their life flash before them. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Hi, I think Heather isn't what they, that deja vu kind of is. I don't know. Right, Pam, except you see how your decision and reactions help or hurt others. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can... See, I, I go through that in my normal day. Um, right, Nicole? Yeah. She's like, it's like me having deja vu when I was in the UK for the first time. I knew the way to a certain suburb. Well, we wish the same for you, Ghost Rider. He said, I wish all of you long life and fortune happy times. Definitely. Definitely. Nicole said someone did a reading on me and said I used to be a prostitute in the UK in the Middle Ages. I thought, damn, why not a royal? <laughs> but see, that's, I think what that's what living different timelines are. I believe that 
you live, you're learning, you're learning different ways. Well, you guys know, I feel we come to, come to earth because we don't know any other emotion but love in our true form. So therefore, we have to go through different lives to feel different emotions. Hey, Giggle Pickles, how are you, hon? Welcome, welcome. Um, but I believe that we live on this life to experience different emotions, if that makes sense. Um, you might have lived a life where you lived nothing in negativity and hate because as our true forms, we don't understand that. We don't know how to hate or be negative in our true form. All we know is love. And this is just my personal theory. Um, and that, so therefore, we have to come here to experience it. We have to have this kind of body or other kind of bodies, you know, to experience it. Um, because we just can't imagine. It's like us thinking of flying. We can't understand how to, you know, of our bodies flying in air, right? Um, but that's nothing to us in another life, in our true form, if that makes sense. Good to hear, giggle, giggle. That's hard for me to say. Well, today a lot of words are, it's Monday. <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that, Ghost Rider. It's spiritually centered. That's, that's the way to be, man. Seriously. Um, but yeah, that's just my take on things. So we have to learn. We can't fathom hate or negativity, but you're right, Nicole, or uh, Heather, you know, it, it's, hate is, or no, it was Nicole, hate is kind of love too, yeah, but the thing of that is, you know, when you, like, I'm trying to think of the show, they said it best, they say, you know, you're so sad that you lost someone, right? But you'd never, obviously, you'd love them. You'd never known that type of love that you cannot imagine yourself living without. That probably didn't even freaking make sense. Hey, Rain, how you doing? I know what I'm trying to say in my head. Anyway, no. <laughs> Without knowing that love, you would never experience that type of loss. The negative there is there to teach you as well. Yep, you embrace the good and the bad. Right, but the negativity, you can turn around. You can get rid of it. You can. We are powerful beings, okay? We are very powerful beings, and it's just realizing that. 
You know, it's giving yourself the permission to let go of the past. It's giving yourself permission to let you have fun. It's, you know what I mean? It's knowing that you are powerful. Okay, so line evidence. Encountering uh, number six, encountering deceased loved ones in near-death experiences. Near-death experiences may describe encounters with people that they've known during their earthly life. The following is an example of an encounter of a deceased loved one in an NDE. For example, this is also notable as the NDE was born totally deaf. I approached the boundary. No explanation was necessary for me to understand. At the age of 10, that one, once I crossed the boundary, I could never come back, period. I was more than thrilled to cross, and I intended to cross, but my ancestors over another boundary caught my attention. They were talking in telepathy. Yes, that's another, yeah. Um, which caught my attention. I was born profoundly deaf and had all hearing um, had an all-healing family members, all of which knew sign language. I could read or communicate with about 20 ancestors of mine and others through telepathic methods. It overwhelmed me. I could not believe of how many people I could telepathize with simultaneously. And that's the thing. You learn from these things, too. You definitely learn. It's, it's wild. I mean, they were deaf. And was talking like you and me do, right? Was talking to their family only telepathy, is through telepathy. And that's what I mean about that whole connectedness. That whole, and they said it right as well, you know. I don't know how far I was from that boundary of never, the no return. I don't know. Apparently I was getting closer. Otherwise, I don't think my sister would have yelled at me. Um, she really didn't yell at me, but it was, it was definitely telepathic. It wasn't like I didn't, I didn't see her face, nothing, but I knew it was her voice and it's not like I heard it. It was like in my head. And that was, that's the other thing, like where they sat there and said, um, where did it, uh, no explanation was necessary for me to understand. That's what I'm talking about, like being all knowing. Like I knew everything that was happening. I knew everything, how everything existed. I knew nothing had to be explained to me. I all of a sudden instantly knew if that was, if that makes sense. Um, easily distracted, so not, I was knocked unconscious for hours. All I remember was watching myself run from in air and behind and blank. So you saw yourself easily distracted? Right, Nicole. It's like talking to spirits sometimes. I hear them talking sometimes. But they put fragments and sound voices in my head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
kind of like when I'm doing my tarot readings. Like I'm seeing images, but I'm also hearing words. But it's words that not not the words, but the voice is not my own. I don't know what it, it's not almost like I'm not hearing a voice. It's weird because it's almost like I'm seeing a voice. I don't know how to explain that better. I just, I just don't. <laughs> yes, watch myself over and over. Interesting. I see that you know. You got a tidy lamp there running. No, I don't. Oh yeah, that I know that I have to. That's for my monthly thing, my monthly subs, which Nicole, Ron, I forgot. Well, somebody else. Um, yeah, I I did see that. I was gonna go do it, and then I totally forgot because you know, so you know, oh look, a squirrel. <laughs> but thank you for pointing that out, Andy. Eagle Pickle said, "When I was when I had my accident, I was dead on the scene. But while I was dead, I got a visit from my family who passed, and my brother told me I was it wasn't my time to be there. That's how yeah, that's how this was me. As my sister said, get home and take care of them babies. <laughs> that's true, Freaky Geek. He said, well, if you can have a third eye, why not have a third ear?" Didn't know what happened. Found out next day. Yeah, easily distracted. That's how I, you know, that's how I would actually thinking about that the last couple of months about how people just end up in the hospital or end up near some, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't, it's so weird why it pops in my head like that. Okay, so that's that one. Line of Evidence 17, near-death experience of young children. Um, this one said, it often would have been supposed that NEDs of very young children have a content limited to their vocabulary. However, it is clear that the age of children at the time of their NDEs... You are the best. Um, of their NEDs not have any way to determine its complexity. Even pre-linguistic children have later reported quite complex experiences. Age does not seem in any way to affect the content of the NDE. And I totally believe that because you're in another realm. You're not, you're not going by why, but we, but, um, <laughs> you're not going by how old you would be in your body. Your age is not, and that was the other thing. I, that's why I go that time as a man-made con construct because of the fact that's what I felt in my near-death experience and in my astral travel. That time is, you know, man-made. When you're in that other realm or wherever you go, there's no time. It just, it could be one second or a million days. You know what I mean? Um, kind of like when Ryan was younger, 
it makes me think of because he told me when he was like three years old, he remembers being in my tummy and that it was loud and that it was red. All he could see was the color red. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, I don't know. Hey, Patrick. How you doing, hon? Line of Evidence 8, Cross-Cultural Study of Near-Death Experiences. Portions of the website include the questionnaire, have you been translated into 23 different languages? Or that has been translated in 23 different Over 500 near-death experiences in non-English languages have been shared over the years. Dozens of volunteers have translated the non-English NEDs into English but the non-English and English-translated version of the NEDs are posted on the website. Over 60,000 people currently visit the website each month. Many website visitors are bilingual. Um, in investigation, 19 non-Western NDEers were not from a non-Western country or civilization was defined as areas of the world that predominantly are not Jewish or Christian heritage. These 19 non-Western NDEs were compared in a group of NDEs shared in English from Western countries. All near-death experience elements appearing in Western NDEs are present in non-Western NDEs. There are many non-Western NDEs with narratives that are strikingly similar to the narrative of a typical Western NDEs. So they're saying basically is they're experiencing the same thing as whether you come from this culture or that culture. Um, They said two recent investigations of Muslims' near-death experience in non-Western countries have been reported. Uh, an investigation of 19 Iranian Muslim NDEs concluded our results suggest that Muslim NDEs may actually be quite common as they are in the West and may not especially different from the key features like Western NDEs and therefore not heavily influenced by cultural variations, including prior religious or spiritual beliefs. Although the documentation standard of the available cases in generally is low, these accounts indicate that structure and contents of NDEs from many non-Western Muslim communities are largely similar to those reported in Western NDE literature. That's weird. I sound like a robot? I'm not AI, I promise. <laughs> I think outside the box. <laughs> That's true, easily distracted. In early 70s, we didn't run to the ER as much as now nowadays. That is so true. I still don't. I think that a lot of the problem is that because we, we, you know, you didn't go to the ER unless you were dying. <laughs> Oh, no, Patrick. Patrick said, had to go back to the hospital last night. Had a new wound happen on my leg just as I was almost healed up. Patrick, 
I'm so sorry, hon. Hopefully it. I hope it clears up quickly for you. Oh. See, he said his my voice is sounding fuzzy funny too. Testing one, two, three. Breaker breaker one nine for radio check. So, line of evidence number nine. Following near-death experiences, significant changes in the lives of NDEs, right? Or NDE years. So, this is out of the response of 270 NDE years. Um, out of that, 54.7% said large change in their life. After having this experience, they had a large change. 24.5 had a moderate change in their life. 10.1% had a slight change in their life. 5.0% had no change in their life. And 5.8% said they didn't know. Sounds fine on DLive? It is not the MID, damn it. <laughs> I see that giggle. I see that. Patrick's on D-Live and he has it. I don't know. I don't know. They're picking up. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're picking up my my other personality. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. She, Nicole says I um began to see spirits when I was when I was three after you knew me a Derek's book. That could be. I've heard a lot about that, though, Nicole. I've heard a lot of people, after they've had an experience like that, that's when they can see or hear ghosts. And, and uh, they probably are, Nicole. <laughs> All right, where is the? I see it. I'm waiting. Nicole said, oh, my God, the aliens are listening, too. I'm waiting. Where are you? <laughs> Welcome back, Freaky Geek. Freaky Geek says, Nicole, when are they not listening? Patrick said, I began to see spirits at around five or six. I know my oldest daughter saw my dad, um, and she would like, I, I don't, apparently they had a conversation or she knew who he was because she was like, up, 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 and I'm just like, what are you talking about? You don't even know who your grandpa is. <laughs> I didn't say that to her because I've always been open to having my kids, you know. Um, Melanie says, my friend was told her mom passed last Friday. Oh. Stepped up, called, and said she was alive. She was just moved to a different rehab. Maybe. That could be, Melanie. 
Who was your friend told, like, was she told by the hospital that her mom had passed? Or was she told by somebody else that her mom had passed? Or is it a feeling that she got? There's, yeah, giggle pickles. Yeah, I started seeing spirits after I had a very high fever and died when I was five. Yeah, see? Melanie said she lives in a different state, and the stepdad was told she's gonna she's gone. And when he called the rehab, I thought she, they met dead. Oh, three days. Three days of thinking she was dead. Oh, my God. I can't imagine that. Holy shit. Stepdad got confused, we think. Maybe. I mean, you can definitely, you know, think that. But. That's crazy. Freaky said in my family on my mother's side, the young seen dead people or people dead and alive. I'm thinking someone did astral projecting and the kids can see them. It's sort of how um, they learned of another's past and it got less and less in the early 80s. That's It's funny you say that, Freaky Geek, because with hauntings and stuff like that, um, I mean, I've never tested this or anything like that, but I think that could be some of uh, people thinking that they have paranormal activity in their house. Is somebody else astral projecting to their house? Right? Because it's happened in the past. It's happened in the past where people have astral projected somewhere, started tinkering with stuff to see what they could move because, you know, you, um, you, when you're going through the astral projection, I went up and met aliens. <laughs> but other people have gone, like a friend of mine, when he astral projected, he goes, he, he didn't know what the hell was going on. Right? He just, he goes, I, I went in the room, all of a sudden I'm sitting between my friend's mom and dad watching TV. I can tell you what they were watching and everything. And then he said he got, felt like he got sucked back into where he was. Right? So an experienced person definitely like mess with somebody go and start touching things and and you know i've heard of people doing that one of my friends you know asked her projected and started messing with something on somebody's desk and the other person's like okay somebody's over by the desk messing with something it's happened you know I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep up with chat, guys. Melanie says I see ghosts. Never had an NDA. I believe all you. I can't believe all you people have. Why am I dead? Is this the matrix? What the fuck? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Freaky Geek got the answer right. Melly, all of the above. <laughs> Hunter says Tracy's ghosty, but never had 98. And also hear them. Rain says same. Yeah, I mean, well, some are just more open than others. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could feel them. I could feel rent. Like, all right. In my mind, right? And this could be the crazy part coming out. I don't know. But anyway, in my mind, you guys know how I feel about spirits. I believe they're all around all the time. It's just energy. It's like the black mass, right? Um, they, they're just here all the time. The energies are always constantly swirling and right. But if something new comes in, I feel that I can feel that. Um, like our shadow guy, he's around. I feel like he's all around all the time. Part of him's here and then other parts he's gone wherever. I don't know. Um, but it's just how open you are. If you're, you might feel like you're going to be open to something, right? But your subconscious knows if you're not. So you're not going to see or hear anything. You can say, I want an experience. I want an experience. That's what I want. I want to see something. I want to see it. But your subconscious is like, no, you don't. You're not ready to see it. So you're not going to see it. You know what I mean? If you believe in things, that's probably why I've never seen a UFO that I know of, except that one that had to prove Eddie Wright, um, which was just bullshit. I think they were working together. It was him and the MIV probably. Um, you know, or where I want to see something, I'm always constantly looking up at the stars. But subconsciously, my subconscious like, no, you fucking don't because you know you'd freak out. And I, I kind of do know that I'd probably freak out if I saw a UFO that was hovering close. Um, so, you know, it, it's just how, like, people that see ghosts or see spirits and stuff all the time, it's the norm to them. You know what I mean? You guys know, ones that see or hear spirit. It's the norm, right? Just like, what do I say? When something gets knocked over, I'm just like, eh, okay. You know, it's the norm. But the one who moved Eddie's headphones over there, that was somebody different. That's why I basically said, okay, you can have the room. Because I had to get used to their energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you can have the room. It's all yours. No problem. I had a friend like that too. Patrick says I had to teach a young woman to shut off her ability. She was terrified of it. And that I, I had a friend like that too. Um, and Freaky's like, even when it's the norm, I get scared. <laughs> um, I had a friend that actually called me one night and I remember she was freaking out. She's like, because we are powerful beings. And and she actually yelled at me because she was like, how can you be so nonchalant about this? This is freaking me out. Like, she called me out freaking out because she was concentrating so hard on making this flower in the vase move, and it moved. And she freaked herself out about it. I'm like, what? <laughs> 
Why are you getting freaked out about something you're trying to do? Obviously, you're not ready for that. But she just, yeah, she's like, how can you be so nonchalant and tell me it's the norm and, and shit like that? I'm just like, dude. <laughs> it does suck sometimes, yes. Look at the good, though. I, I know damn well I'm one of the best customer service people around because of my gifts. Um, does it suck sometimes? Yes. Does it wear me out? Yes. All the time. Um, so, but what are you going to do? You know, you got to look for the good. I don't want it to disappear. Google says, I can hear, see, and speak to those who have not crossed over yet and don't call them ghost or spirit. I call them those who are stuck or lost. I don't think all spirits are stuck and lost that are, are earthbound, though. That's just my take. They're in limbo. I was going to say something about limbo and then I thought. Um, yeah, my daughter is, my Danielle, the one that comes on here. Um, uh, she's, she's talked to a little girl, spirit girl. Yeah, I don't think that every, I mean, it can be different. I mean, it all depends on, even with spirits and everything like that, we make our own world. That's, anyway, how I <laughs> Melly said, I've had an experience in the hospital where I broke my neck and I was on IV meds three weeks. My room was full of people and they looked real. Yeah, definitely, you know. Definitely rain. Definitely. She asked, can me being sensitive be the reason I have anxiety around people? Definitely. I have anxiety. I have social anxiety. If there's more than four people around me that I don't know or that I didn't invite into the space, um, I'll, I'll get anxiety and I have to leave. Eddie's watched me do it many times. But you have to tell yourself these are not my feelings. These are not, you know, and especially if somebody in that group is feeling anxious in themselves, you know, my anxiety picks up, you know, and then kind of like, and I have to check to see if this is correct. And I kind of, because it's been a long time since I've had a panic attack and I had a panic attack and it could have been Ryan's driving too, but no, I trust Ryan's driving um, I think because I couldn't see the road, but I had a panic attack, and we were in the back of a U-Haul um, <laughs> van, not truck, van. But um, I had a panic attack, and it's been a very long time since I have panic attack. And I was trying not to, because I know Savannah has anxiety, and she gets panic attacks as well. So I was trying not to, but I'm thinking that I might have been picking up on her being a little anxious, too. I haven't asked her. But I think because I like, I'm like, Ryan, you really have to slow down. I'm having a panic attack. And so he did, you know, <laughs> laughed at me. But, you know. <laughs> Put a hole in the car floor, you'll see the road. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
too many people all thinking different things can mess your life up too. Yes. Well, I've been where, you know, I've been where, welcome back, Nicole. Where, hey, Misty Mountain, how are you, hon? Welcome, welcome. Um, I've been where, if there's a lot of people and they're all thinking different things where I feel like I'm going crazy because I'm having all these thoughts going through my mind and I'm like, why? Why? So the conclusion to the study anyway is, is basically, um, it says it is informative to consider how near-death experiences themselves view the reality of the experiences as an NDERF survey of 11, or 1,122 NDEs asked, how do you currently view the reality of your experience? This was the following responses. 95.6% says the experience was definitely real. I'm one of them people. I know my experience was real. I know what happened in the experience. And, um, 4.0 experience was probably real. 0.3% says experience was probably not real. And 0.1% says experience was definitely not real. That's right. Always watch. The great majority of more than a thousand near-death experience believe that their experience was definitely real. And I definitely, you know, um, this is in the conclusion, the combination of the preceding Nine lines of evidence converge on the conclusion that near-death experiences are medically inexplainable. Um, any one or several of the nine lines of evidence would likely be reasonably convincing to many, but the combination of all the presented nine lines of evidence, evidence provides powerful evidence that NDEs are, in a word, real. And that was a, that's a really cool study. Of course, if you want to read more in depth in it, it's on my uh, in my description. The link there. Yeah, exactly. You know when your experience is real. Just like that's why I always say, you know, um, people that paranormal researchers just don't mind what other people think or say. You know what's real and what's not real. You know what I mean? So, therefore, don't get mad when somebody calls your shit fake. Because if you know it's real, to you it's real. Do you know what I'm saying? That probably didn't even make sense. Pickle says, I know my experience is real. Exactly. Yeah. Same, same here. I know what the fuck I felt and what, you know. Yeah, that smells fake. It's not fake. Hey, Sweetly Morbid Bear, how are you? Welcome. And that's true, Nicole. We all experience experience things differently. We have to take into that. You know, we're selfish when we sit there and say that we don't. You know, because obviously our thinking, we all think differently. We all see things differently. And Nicole, don't let that bother you. I know you don't, but she's like, still most people call me freak when I say it. See dead people. Well, I still get nervous when 
people ask me, you know, what if, if paranormal's brought up anywhere, you know what I mean? But then I'm, I sit there and say, you know, like if I don't talk about it, I can't help anybody. Do you know what I mean? So I'd rather help somebody. And I got a huge, I got a headache in a part of my head that I don't normally get headaches. So I don't know if somebody else has got a headache that I'm feeling. That's right, Nicole. It's like, we love being freaks. But, you know, if I didn't sit there and start talking about paranormal stuff out back, you know, one of my friends that I, I made a really good friendship with, that he had um, experiences I was like the only, and I feel honored, and I was the only one that he's ever told his experiences to. You know what I mean? Because he felt comfortable. And that's what I want. I want people to feel comfortable. If that makes sense. I know I said that a lot. I'm sorry. Melanie says, I went back to the hospital a year later just to see the room I was in, and no one can tell you that. Oh. See, Rain, I don't I don't care anymore. You know what? Let me put it to you this way, right? Okay. For years, for years I covered up how I liked the paranormal and everything like that. Because um it's funny you said that because my jaw just clicked too. Sweetly morbid bear. Um, yeah, and that's where I feel it. It's like right in here. I don't get headaches here. I get headaches here. <laughs> and in the back of the head. Not on the side. Um, but, uh, now my jaw's gonna keep clicking because now I read that and now that's all I'm thinking about. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Oh, for years I kept on um, me liking paranormal. Uh, around that same era that I, that, you know, I was depressed in and everything. I, I kept that hidden and everything. And then the person that I kept it hidden from, uh, wanted to become a paranormal investigator, <laughs> which is funny as in, in itself. Um, like my kids grew up around all this sort of stuff, right? And I used to get bashed for that, bashed for that big time. And then the person that used to bash me is the one that basically went into paranormal investigating. So after that, like I said, after that, I, like I said, when I, as I got older, I just got more bitchier, I think. And just like, screw it. I don't care what anybody thinks about anything about me. I really don't. I really don't. So, you know. Immersed or aliens, I was waiting for you to show up because somebody had mentioned aliens before. And I was just like, where is it? Come on. <laughs> How you doing, hon? 
Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> Hopefully you're good, aliens. Um, yeah, I just... Well, I that's just it. Is I'm a bitchy witch, so... <laughs> um, now I don't care. I don't care what people think. And, and I know my experiences are real at least in my world, and there's nothing wrong with that. Do I? I know, aliens detector is slow. Because we were talking about aliens watching me. <laughs> or at least listening. Oh, it's the lag. Oh, okay. <laughs> What kind of friend, Andy? Is it a good friend? <laughs> exactly, Melanie. We are living trying to do the best we can, and people's opinions are not reality. That's right. Exactly. Can I ask, where do you, premonitions, are, I, are you asking where do they come from? Sterling Grace, nobody gets along anymore because they provide us a... That's true. That is true, Sterling Price. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's all about the divide. That's where the power lies. People who can divide. But yes, we don't discuss stuff like that. But I agree with you. Is that what you were asking, Rain? Is where did um, premonitions come well, we all have them. When I actually um, was just doing a workbook for one of my uh, on my website, um, I forgot what it's called already. Jeez. How bad is that? Um, this is how much stuff I have in my my shit. Um, <laughs> Talking about the Claire's and that. Um, the Explore Your Gifts workbook. We all, in my opinion, in my theory, we all have gifts. We have all the Claire's. All of us. Nobody's more important than the next. Nobody's more special than the next. We all have abilities. And the reason of where they come from is, in my theory, in my opinion, is your higher self. Um... We're all like, hey, Stephen, we're all connected. And we can talk about this tomorrow because tomorrow is all uh, free for all anyway because I'm taking Freaky's advice and doing tarot every other Tuesday. So um, my opinion is, is that we're connected here, right? But we're also connected up there or wherever. It's in the same space only. You know, we have to have, I guess, where we look, apparently. I don't know. We have to have location, right? But anyway, yeah, we're connected here and we're connected here. So when I'm, like, doing my tarot readings, right, and I'm getting a zone, 
to me, that's my higher self. Or you can call them spirit guides. You can call them whatever, right? But I call them my higher self. Um, for many years, I called them spirit guides, but I realized that's why they're so smart. At, they're such smart asses is because it's just me telling me, telling myself. Um, <laughs> but anyway, or me yelling at myself, whatever. Um, when I'm doing readings, that's where it's coming from. Like that self up there, that higher self up there knows everything. Kind of like when you have a near-death experience. Um, you instantly like know everything or you feel you know everything. You don't need to be told anything. You know what's happening. You know how everything's created and all that. Up there, that's all that is. So they're just feeding you like little tidbits, but it's how you perceive it. Okay, like if they if they tell you something that they've told me, I might take that message a totally different way. That's why our higher selves or our spirit guides work with us and only us because of the fact that we know how to read their messages, if that makes sense. But we all get them. We all get them. We just got it. That's why I kind of started talking about synchronicity and stuff. Because that'll open you up. Like something might click when I'm talking about synchronicities and seeing different signs here and there and everywhere. That's from your higher self as well. Yeah, Patrick, that's, I see, yeah, he's like, well, I'm the only one that can do what I do here where I live, and it's lonely except for my friends online like me. Yeah, it, it is, it is. Somebody said something about eclairs. I don't like eclairs. Donuts should not have chocolate on them. Yeah, some do reject their abilities, definitely. <laughs> Andy, ain't the Claire's you got to worry about. It's all the rabid Karens who scare me. Well, that's the thing, Rain. When it comes to teaching somebody how to use their, there's no better teacher but yourself. You have to know yourself. Get to know yourself. Get to know what something, if, if, if you are getting a sign, uh, how do I explain that? If you're getting something over and over, like a sign over and over again, what does that mean to you? It's learning the different things, kind of like learning tarot, learning runes, learning. You have to know yourself and what it means to you. Like if I say, trying to think of, of what signs my myself sends myself my higher self sends um if i'm talking about somebody say i'm doing a reading right and somebody you want to know about somebody coming into your life 
they'll let me know, like, basically, they'll show me, like, say, a chocolate bar, right? So instead of thinking chocolate bar, I'm thinking sweet. They're a sweet person. Or they'll show me a flower, like sweet scent. Does that make sense? I know I say that a lot. I'm annoying myself. Bad when you annoy yourself. Yes, and don't force your gifts. That's true. That somebody wanted Eddie to open up like really quick. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't because when you come into them. You already think you're going crazy, right? So if you're forcing yourself to open up all your gifts at once. You're going to think you're, you're going to make yourself go nuts. You have to be ready for what universe wants you to open up at one time you know that says you're ready to it it goes for that saying again like i said before my subconscious knows if i'm ready to experience something or not i might be all for it saying yeah let's do it my subconscious is saying oh hell no you know <laughs> um it's some really religions really found upon Anything spiritual which is based on yeah. But you can't open up about your experiences. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, like like Bear said, yes, I worry about those forcing it, but I also accept that they, that may be their path. Yes, and that might be. You know, sometimes they gotta you gotta whip that. They have to experience that feeling of that to, you know, to go. Oh wait, I pushed it too far or whatnot. Does if that you know what I mean? I'm not going to say it. Damn it. Damn it. See, that's a, that it, you're right. You're right, Bear. That is a great analogy. Freaky geek. I just hope they don't force a fart only to learn that it's extra messy. That's exactly, exactly what I mean. <laughs> You're the best. Yeah, Nicole, a medium told me years ago I need to be patient. I wasn't ready. She said, yeah, exactly. You might feel ready. Mercury retrograde does a, screws up a lot of people. And it, it's funny because it never used to screw me up. Never. But nowadays, it's like, holy shit. I think it was, what, uh, we went through it. Well, obviously we went through it, but I mean, I think it was a couple of years ago. Might have even been, no, not last year. Might have been the year before we went through a Mercury retrograde. And let me tell you, it completely wiped me out. And it never used to. It was the first one. That it really messed me up and I was just like, what? <laughs> I 
Yes, Andy, I have. Very, very large dog. She was really big. <coughs> Excuse me. She better have been really big. She had her, uh, she was King Corso Masto St. Bernard in lab. So yeah, she was pretty big. Uh, Sight learning is forever here. Sometimes the path of hell is needed so we may learn to decipher energy. Yeah. And so to help others not to walk that path. Hence why speaking up is important. That is true. It depends who you ask um, <laughs> of where I am. Some people say Alaska. Some people say Canadian. I mean, well, not that, that we are Canadian. And some people say Russia. But I, sorry, I assure you, we are in Alaska. Uh, yeah, solar flares are kicking ass, and there's a lot going on with that that a lot of people don't realize. And, yeah. That's it, Alaska media. Oh, the Russians did leave? <laughs> no, but they still own a one little piece at the tippy top top of Alaska. Well, a lot too bare with, with the whole um, solar flares that a lot are saying, um, and if you believe it, and if it's in your life, uh, that that's us shifting back to a timeline that we're supposed to be in, because we're not in a timeline that we're supposed to be in. You know, no, I can't say that I am. I will have to check that out, though. Damn it, maybe. If I don't press buttons and, and delete everything. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for holding chat. Well, <laughs> I did that. Whew, that was scary. You're the best. Oh, it's noon, guys. So we can, if you want, since tomorrow is, does he have an alien hand there, sweet morbid, sweetly morbid bear? I can't talk today. Does he have an alien hand there? An alien with a hand there? Is that him? Thank you for the lemons. It is time for a lemon giveaway. I say that all the time that I should have been born in a different era but no an alien with a hand <laughs> okay so this is the one let me go ahead and 
Oh no, that's not what I want. Go there. My computer's like, no. I'll put it in chat here. If anybody wants to go check that channel out, looks pretty cool. It does, it does. I like it. All right, let me get over to DLive. If you're in DLive, start chatting up the hype, as Freaky Geek says. Hopefully, I can pause this before it. I wish you could do it right from the chat. And I'm going to put lemons in the chest. So I'll start hyping up that chat. Chatting up that hype. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Who's talking about beer? You're not allowed to talk about beer. Eddie is not here. <laughs> Oh, you guys. All right. Let me go ahead and start my credits. Chat up that hype. I'm going to be pressing the button. All right. I pressed the button. You guys got 20 seconds. If it doesn't pop up from you, click on the chest and it should pop up. Well, thank you, Sterling PriceX, for the follow. Appreciate that. You're the best. Andy, I said yes, I did. <laughs> I did own a big dog. Her name was Tia. All right. Nicole got 70.3. Heather got 40.8. Freaky Geek got 29.8 Patrick got 23.8 And Melly got 20.1 Thank you guys so much for being here I appreciate each and every one of you If you're listening on the podcast Of course As always we always invite you to come on over to the live show You guys are the best You really are Oh, no, Andy, I was just joking. <laughs> oh, I don't know if she passed away, but, I mean, I will definitely check that out. I keep in touch with the owners. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. We can, like I said, tomorrow is free-for-all. We're going to go ahead and just um, talk about anything that you guys want to talk about. Um Wednesday, of course, is UFOs and aliens and all that good stuff. We're going to talk about um, the little green men phenomenon. We're going to talk about a U.S. Uh, atomic bomber that uh, basically disappeared. We're going to talk about the. We're going to look at the blue book, right, and talk about uh, what. UFOs spottings back then were taken seriously to the ones that weren't. And then we're going to talk about Hangar 18. And all I, of course, if you guys don't know who Megadeth is, they had a 
song about Hangar 18. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk all about that good stuff. No MIB. See, you guys want me to get taken by the MIB. You really do hate my show, don't you? <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yeah, you guys are the best. You guys are too funny. I love it. All right, guys. Like I said, tomorrow's going to be free for all. Hey, Miss Mythic Ross. Sorry, I missed you. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't miss you. Hopefully, you hear me say hi. Um, but tomorrow, like I said, is a free for all. We'll talk about anything you guys want to talk about. You're the best. Um, and uh, without that, without that, and there's Eddie. All right, guys. That being said, we will see you tomorrow. Take care. Be safe. And remember, find something today that makes you smile with those eyes. Love you guys. Mm -hmm.